In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, my friend, Alan Fadden. Good morning or afternoon or evening, depending on what time zone you're in. Yeah, no kidding. So funny how uh, technology has changed so much that we can easily reach across the world now. Um, I was just thinking about it. Uh, The other day I had like four different phone conversations like two different continents and three different time zones. <laughs> yeah, technology yeah. is definitely changing the way we work, no doubt about it. I found it. a way to do it faster because everything goes all the way around the world. So I figured doing that, I'll just talk to myself. And so uh, I walk go. down the street muttering and people look at me strangely. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, for today, we're going to be doing a review of the book, Getting Things Done which is the art of stress-free productivity. And we call it getting things dumb. (laughs) Not that it's a bad book. It's just a good book for certain people and a bad book for others. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the book was published in 2001. Uh, The author, Robert Allen, he sold 1.6 million copies of this book. It's been uh, translated in 30 different languages. And there's actually a really big, decent following for it. And they call it GTD, I think is the trademark on it. And there's even, believe it or not, I've been in the, uh, the LinkedIn group for probably a couple of years. Um, and it's all around this process that we're going to get into. And the book really, the focus is, and it's kind of repeated, uh, is that you can reduce your stress by identifying tasks and the outcome or the next action when it's not clear. And so, and in the book, he refers to these as open loops. So essentially, you have to close the loops in order to reduce the stress. And this wonderful process, I know, Alan, you're going to love this to death, is it's a four-step process. This is the bigger picture process because there's actually several different ones identified in the book. And this process is identifying, first step, identifying the annoying or distracting task, um, the most annoying or distracting task. To me, that creates stress. But anyway, um, identify it as being incomplete. And then the second step is you write a sentence down about what a successful outcome would be and when you consider this task completed. And then The third step is you identify the very next thing that needs to get accomplished. And then the fourth step is (laughs) you write a self-assessment about the emotions experienced after completing the four-step process. Yeah, that's my favorite part. Uh, I went through this once and I wrote down uh, the three emotions of, I hope these are emotions, inner screaming, death wish, and unconsciousness. Now, again, it's not that these are wrong or bad, but I'm a shaker, and they are wrong and bad for me, and I'd like to replace it with a two-step process, which is identifying your most annoying, distracting task, and then finding somebody who loves doing what you hate and give it to them. Yes, I agree with you on that, and to me, as a mover, and we did a lot of 
research on with movers, shakers, provers, and makers specific to this book because mm -hmm. it's actually kind of hard to put it in a category of like for me as a mover, I I honestly would not do number one because I'm going to prioritize it. I'm not going to do the most annoying thing first. It, no way. If not, I will delegate it if it needs to get done, if it's annoying or distracting. Uh, and then uh, the sentence about a successful outcome and when it's considered done as a mover, you know when it's done and you won't take it off your list when it's done. So we have a natural innate ability to do that. So making the task more work by writing it down to me would be challenging. But the third step, identify the next step that needs to be done. Now that brilliant as a mover, you're going to love that, but you're going to do it for everyone else so that everybody else has a prioritized checklist and you keep the main one. Yeah. And then the self-assessment about the emotions experienced movers don't have a dog in the fight. They just want it done. So although maybe people, I mean, there is something to be said about crossing something off the list and everyone knows that you experience an emotional response to that. And it feels good. I do believe, Boy. I can't remember the neuro, neuro the, there's a neurotransmitter that is put in your brain. But to me, I don't have to write about the emotion. All I have to do is cross it off the list. And if it's not on the list, you write it on the list and cross it off. <laughs> right. <laughs> but again, and then as, yeah. And then as a prover, I think prover would like the process, but for a maker, right. And to ask a maker to identify the next step is probably not probably create a little bit of stress for them because they want to be told what to do. So it was interesting looking at these uh, four different steps and how each core nature of work is going to respond differently. Uh, and the process in the book does identify just individuals, which I think is a big misnomer that are in a lot of these business books, right? That you have to be yes. all things and do all things. And so the book has a very specific workflow for task management. And I'll talk a little bit about that <laughs> later in the podcast. Uh, just thinking about the decision tree creates stress for me. I don't know about you, Alan, but... I want to chop down the decision tree. That's why I just love the second part of the book, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. And, I, and again, it's just not for everybody is what we're saying. The book is great. There's a reason why it's a bestseller. And that's why you know, we go through them and, and read them. But I'll tell you what, the more book reviews I do and that we've done, Alan, the more I realize that the books that I thought were great, like 15 years ago, I was completely missing the point that you need a team. Yes. And do the part of the, because I would just trudge through the work even if I hated it. But then what does that do long term? I think that's why people are everything but stress-free. They're overworked, overburdened, and they're not allowing everybody on the team to lead at the time that they're good and their core nature of work and their strength at that time to lead. And we just kind of chuck everybody into, you know, one pot and say, this is how, this is how you can be productive. This is the you know, One four size step process. Exactly, exactly. And so the two different parts that you see in the book over and over is first is the workflow, like how you're going to control this process. And then the second is your perspective. And I want to get in a little bit with this with you, um, Alan, because David Allen in the book, I, I mean, and I'm not sure what your perspective is on it. So I'd like to go through each of the core natures of work and discuss that for our listeners. But this horizon aspect in going from the day-to-day -to, -day to your, you know, 
long, big picture, which is horizon five. So it goes from ground up to horizon five, and it has these six different levels if you include ground. And I just think that that is so heady and that uh, it's very intellectual way of applying a process. And most people, especially movers and shakers, aren't, aren't they're not going to enjoy it. Provers would probably love to hold makers accountable for it. But so let's talk about, I just summarized the book in a couple of minutes and how movers, shakers, provers, and makers then would respond. Let's break it down. First, let's look at the four steps. We talked a little bit about it, but not specific. We did movers and shakers because that's what we are. But how they may respond, uh, let's start with Prover, since you basically said you're going to jump out of your skin, break it down into two steps. Then I went through the process and said, as a mover, the only thing I want is step three, because <laughs> I'm already going to prior prioritize it. And I definitely don't want to talk about emotions. I just want it off the checklist. But how do you think Provers might respond to that four step? I think it's funny when I asked the pro our main lead Prover on our team, what he said. <laughs> Yes. Well, and I have to echo that. Um, I, I think a prover will, will like this because it's detailed and it also, you know, key word like controlling the work plan. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's down close to the ground and it's a perfect, uh, you know, one, one of the things is that we know about provers and makers is, is that provers like to make the rules and makers like to obey them. So a prover can use this four-step process to make a, a set of rules and say, okay, you can go through these rules now and you can get more things done and then you can be self-managed about this. And I don't, you know, come to me if you have a problem, but, you know, I'm not going to have to bother with it every time. And so that's, uh, to me, a prover will like this, but not doing this, just <laughs> handing it off to the, the maker. It reminds me of a prover that I knew who was a, a bookkeeper who who loved balancing checkbooks. He was so elegant and, and it was involved analysis and patience and so forth. But in order to balance the checkbooks as a bookkeeper, she had to write the checks first and hated that. So one of the things after we talked, she realized that she could outsource what she hated, writing the checks to a maker. Now she's happy, she gets a lot more done and so forth. So it's, it's a prover is always looking for kind of more rules that, that will be helpful to the maker who loves rules. It's a match made in heaven. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because when I showed that this, and we'll get into the next step here, this decision tree, uh, and I shared about the book, our lead prover said, wow, that's a, a, a prover wrote the book for makers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. true. And I think, you definitely brought up the makers there in that four-step process too, which essentially, I think checklists do de-stress makers in oh. any form, right? Because now, because they like to obey the rules, I think a lot of times we aren't specific enough with makers and it creates stress for them. Because remember, they're the latest adopters. So they like checklists. They like rules. They like processes and they're really good at applying them absolutely they there are people for you know like we're a shaker and a mover will look at uh, the world from thirty thousand feet up a maker will look at the world from about 50 feet up and they'll yeah. see every detail 
And, and what they need to feel good is something that covers the details for them. So they, they, they know what to do next. It's very anxiety causing to have ambiguity or not to know what to do next. So this certainly. And while shakers and, and movers are completely okay with ambiguity, good word, Alan, <laughs> it, they're fine with it. They live in that space. Uh, and I think provers, you're right. They like to then lead makers and then this is a great tool for them. So let's get into this tree diagram. This is not de-stressful for me at all. And I keep on saying that because I'm kind of poking fun at the, the title of the book is, you know, the art of, what is it, stress-free productivity, because I didn't feel stress-free <laughs> reading the book at all. If anything, I kept on thinking, this is just going to slow everything down as a mover, because you're applying, because remember, as a mover, you like to hand off things to the prover and implementation, and then the prover comes back to you if there's any challenges. You don't micromanage a checklist. Your, your, your best role is similar to a facilitator when you're trying to figure out what to do, ideation, and then a point guard for the prover so that they can get things done in implementation between the shaker and the prover. How oh, this is what we ran into and this is how we're going to try to overcome it. And so a mover likes checklists, but they like them to hold other people accountable. <laughs> right. It's not necessarily, and it doesn't mean that as a mover, you don't have to do things on your checklist. It's just that whoever is running the project management software, you want a mover behind that. That doesn't mean that everybody needs to have a very, very specific detailed checklist in a process to apply the checklist. So this process in David Allen's book is a checklist to apply to your checklist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. So mm -hmm. there is a workflow and a logic tree that's a decision tree. and Again, this is a prover had to make this decision tree for a maker. So essentially you walk through, and I'm not going to go through each of, I, I could talk about it for and go yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But essentially it breaks down to collect the items, process the items, organize the items, plan the items and do the items. And this decision tree is designed for the Number two and number three, clarify and organize. And you literally are walking through the decision tree saying, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. I, I, do you feel de-stressed, Alan? Uh, yes? It, it um, makes me want to uh, open a bottle of wine. <laughs> oh, so, okay. So I already... And I, I don't even drink. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and so essentially... This five-step bigger picture process is a part of the book, but let's talk about this decision tree and how each, again, core nature of work may respond to that. You've already identified it. For a shaker, asking them to do this would be horrible. It, oh, yes. I, I just think, I think a mover could look at it and go, oh, I think it's a good idea for, you know, for our makers here, prover, use this and teach them all how to do it. But the likelihood you're going to get a mover to not only break down a five-step process, but then take number two and number three and break that into a decision tree that's a six-step process. I just think you've got too many processes for your processes. Yes, and, and shakers don't follow processes. Squirrel, they yeah. get distracted very easily. Or the other thing they do is say, oh, look, a decision tree. I wonder if we can make an artificial decision tree, sort of like an artificial Christmas tree. Maybe people will buy that. You know, that's... <laughs> 
And so I think, and you make a good point there, that as a mover, even if it were something that you would adopt, that doesn't mean you're going to be good at using it. It's too, it, 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 when you were a doer, a mover doer, not a maker, remember, mm-hmm. movers are still early adopters, early adopters. is that you, you, can't, you can't choke the system because it will keep you it will keep you from being able to move forward because you have a natural way of prioritizing and you love to prioritize everybody else's list. You don't even want them to prioritize it. You want to make sure that this is where we said we're going to go. And these are all the things that need to happen. These are all the people that need to make it happen. And here's the deadline outside of that. I think you would just choke a mover to death. A prover. I think this is very similar to the first part of this book is a prover is going to like it, but not do it. Yep. Now they're happy with teaching the makers how to do it and holding them accountable. So essentially, I think we're getting to the point that this book is made for provers for makers over and over again, no matter what piece we're looking at. Right, right. And I think the same for the maker. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about the maker to have the five big picture items and then move it into another six step process might be choking it for a maker too. So if it were me, as a mover, mm-hmm. I would never give a shaker more than two things to do. That's just go back to them and ask them because they're the every shaker I've ever worked with, the bigger the shaker, the more I have to re-email stuff. <laughs> so yeah. it's just easier to say, do one or two things, and this is when I'll talk to you next, than it is to expect them to be something that they're not. Yep. And then of course, every uh, like everything else in this book is that some steps are made for some people and some steps are made for, for other people. That's you know? a good way of looking at it. C- collecting everything as a mover. Uh-huh. The process is, most people think it's mover. It's not. It's the prover that it's you the prover. Because, yeah. and then. And the, the also along with the, the organizing is the prover as well. Yep. And that's the prover and the mover working back and forth. The planning is the mover. And then the actual do piece is the maker. The maker. And uh, so asking a maker to reflect and plan is like asking uh, a shaker to focus. Yeah. Yeah. Good (laughs) point. Planning and reflecting is unfocusing, getting into the big picture. Late adopters, not their nature. Yeah. And I think the it, it, again, this is a great book, I think, for provers and makers, but it definitely focuses on, as you said earlier, one size fits all. And it really identifies y- that you need to focus on what you aren't good at and train the weakness versus the strength. Because even in the first step, when it says identify the most annoying or distracting task, that's not going to make you love what you do. And I think that's when people right. get not only stressed out, but they, they get disengaged. Here we go. The buzzwords we can't stand, employee engagement. Well, you know, I like, uh, I like to think of it uh, like uh, when this whole thing of, uh, this, this came about a few years ago, you know, is like do your, the tasks you hate first, then your day is going to get a whole lot better. And what they don't understand about that is, number one, it will take you much longer to do the tasks you take uh, that take you that, that you don't like. And therefore, it'll take you so long. Perhaps you may spend your whole day on it and never get to the ones that you like. Exactly. Never get it done. Ask me to do a, a brain surgery first because I don't like brain surgery so much. And you know how well that's going to end. 
Exactly. And your quality of work goes way down. And the numbers are 90-10. So if you 50% of your day is what you don't like and 50% of your day is what you like, then 90% of your day is absorbed with what you don't like. I mean, that doesn't sound like a recipe for it's why 70% slow. of people hate their jobs. Yeah, because you're slow at it and you don't do it very well. Yeah, and nobody likes what you're not good at. And we already have the horrible habit of focusing on what people aren't good at. And here's and a reward too. If you do what you're not good at, maybe you struggle through it. Maybe by three o'clock you get it done and you give it somebody and they say, this isn't right. What were you thinking? So then you get berated for it and then you have to go back and do it over the walk of shame. Yes, I agree. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about this horizon thing that I brought up yeah. earlier, because I think, and this is exactly backwards from what we just did the book, uh, First Things First, and read through that rich read. And this basically, in Robert Allen's horizons here, it, it has a method that says, if you take care of the day, it frees your mind up so that then you can move uh, from your day to current projects, and then areas of accountability, then out to your one or two year goals, and then your long term visions, and then your life. What do you think about that? I got my own opinion about that. What do you well, think? Well, it's, you know, for me, that it's backwards because I'm not going to focus on my current actions. I always say, if I've got one or two things left to do, I'm feeling pretty good that I do. And that frees me up to get to, say, Horizon 5. I play in Horizon 3, 4, and 5 because I'm an early adopter. And, it's, and we're all into the, you know, the, the long term or the, big, the bigger picture. Uh, so this is, this is all backwards. This is, again, like doing what you hate first because uh, uh, there are way too many current actions. Because every idea creates a thousand tasks. So I'm going to have a checklist that fills up the room. Mm hmm. Well, and here's you mentioned a really good thing as a shaker. When they come up with the idea in their mind, they're really challenged with putting the approximate time on any project. I would say that provers are the best yeah. movers have they are typically are more optimistic in getting mm -hmm. things accomplished. And shakers, they just thought of the idea and boom, it's done. And it's easy. Right. So I think that when you look at this, every area of focus is it's almost like you need an entire team to help each other. Right. Because you look at a maker. Well, yeah, they want their day to be very clear and it would be stressful for them not to leave with their desk cleaned and all their checklists done. So and then you look at approver. I think they can get into the current project area of focus and accountability probably a little bit better but for movers and shakers it's almost like when a ship goes out to sea you got to figure out where the heck you're going because i think that that creates stress and not so much a horizon five life i think we should could all do a better job sitting down and writing in and what in the book first things first that's exactly what it said is, you know, figure out where your rudder's pointing and don't do all the stuff that doesn't point in that direction. And so I think that based off of the four core natures of work, you're probably going to lean towards one or more or two of these, but it almost covers all four nature core natures of work when you look at them. And that means that I'm going to be horrible at writing today specifically every action that needs to happen on every project. But for a maker, 
that might be exactly what they need to be able to de-stress their mind so that they can, you know, focus on their one year goal. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest challenge I hear I have with this book. It's it really is made for by approvers for makers. And it really doesn't pull in the team aspect of doing this. Cause in business, I mean, obviously in life, nobody can say, Oh, this is what or, or heck every, how many people have coaches that basically spend time with people so that they can see what their one to two year long-term visions are. Why? Because they're not good at it. Like me, I'm a six month to a year person. Mm-hmm. That's just where my my focus is and it can never get done fast enough. Well, I don't think that's the same for a shaker approver and a maker, especially in a business situation. Yeah, right. Right. And it just doesn't, I just think that if you were in a room and you're working through ideation and implementation, then you should cover this stuff. And it's, and it's a, a different part of your team that's going to naturally be able to, you know, write those goals or come up with needs to be done in a process and a check, you know, uh, a step-by-step checklist. Yeah, and so, for example, uh, if we use the hoodoo model, then what we would probably do is get everybody's bigger horizons, three, four, and five, you know, life, long-term visions, one to two-year goals, handled by a hoodoo method where you could uh, immediately presence from the provers what could go wrong and then have the shakers come up with ideas to solve the problem so that everybody's uh, pretty well aligned with where they're going. Now, one of them is personal things that we could do. You could do that for everyone, but also as far as the team goals or as far as the company's goals, then that would help horizon, you know, ground horizon one and horizon two, where it's more current and day to day, because then you'd at least be focused on where you need to go. And a hoodoo method would get you there way faster because everybody's going to disagree. Exactly. And, and what causes the stress for the maker? What is it? What needs to be done today? And what is going to mess up my world versus a shaker is like, Oh, let's, you know, the long-term vision, we need to develop this and do this. And this is where we're going to go. And the dissonance between the two is significant. Enormous. So I think that that, that is one thing. And, and I, I just, you know, if you didn't have all pieces of the team from ground to horizon five, I think it'd be mediocre at best just because right. of people are different. We, we respond to each of these levels differently. And I think it's a misnomer to state that if you figure out your day, you're going to be able to focus all the way on your life goals. I, I just, just <laughs> don't agree with the author on that. I just yeah. don't. So and the last thing I want to talk about here, Alan, is uh, the author, Robert Allen talks about how he created the book, which again, this is 2001, we're 2019 now. So this is, and he did do a revision of the book, is that it was technology agnostic or neutral. And that was because software changes so much, but it's hilarious. I actually went to the Getting Things Done website and they identify the products that you could use with this process. So Mm -hmm. I, 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 identified it to discuss on the podcast because I think it's really important simply because everybody uses technology, everybody's applying it in every different way. And to have a system that's technology agnostic, I think, and maybe that's just a a part of the times 2001, it is a good idea to manually do something before you develop technology. But 
I also think that, you know, it's again, a misnomer to state that any process you do, it has to be created and adopted in technology these days, because the likelihood you're in the same room with everybody that you're working on a project is not common these days. Correct. So if I'm, you know, or even just like, for instance, this podcast, we got people in so many different time zones. If we didn't have our collaborative tool, then for the project management, well, you have to use something. And I think that piece, and it's actually going to, uh, that's, we talked about this book in, in, uh, well, about the technology for quite some time, Alan. And that's why we're going to identify a better book that you can actually look at, in my opinion, as far as a team aspect, I think you too as well, which is uh, about Scrum and that methodology and being agile, because it's probably the, it's the opposite of this book. This book to me is made by provers for makers. The Scrum is going to juxtapose that so that you can have a methodology and what we're going to do and implement it, and then also create a process of of repeating it just like our our buddy warren buffett i love his quote i hate innovation (laughs) (laughs) yeah what do we hear all the time how how many times have you you know you we've been in innovation meetings and teams and all we hear the number one thing i read just a couple days ago after uh, doing the book review was that the number one thing that every company needs to do in the next five years to be successful is to utilize technology and be agile about it. So I think that's a really good. And I think it was, it wasn't Gallup. What's that? The McKinsey report, I think. McKinsey, probably. um, It was just data and information that I happened to run across, but I'm excited. Alan, will you meet me to discuss Scrum? I'm not hundred percent sure which book I ended up reading like three of them. (laughs) because they were so good that it is the method that is closest to the hoodoo method. And believe it or not, it was created like 20 years ago. So there are 20 year overnight success. That's right. Awesome. So join us for that. And in the meantime, you can head over to our website at the people catalyst and that is plural.com. So until next time, Alan, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.